0: Welcome to Riverbend Church's podcast, and thanks for listening. Riverbend is a church in Hernando, Mississippi that is focused on our calling to restore the community around us. For more information, visit rbhernando.church. We hope you enjoy the message. You have a copy of God's Word, turn to Acts chapter 16. I titled the uh, message this morning, Miracles and Proclamation, Miracles and Proclamation. We are in the midst of the last segment, so to speak, of Route 66, and this will be our last sermon in the book of Acts in the series. So in the remaining sermons that we have coming up in the next few weeks, we will uh, look how these men went to the different churches and the different places and took the gospel and see what occurs from that and the command or the challenge in front of the individuals or the Christians, the churches uh, that we see. And so, uh, But I wanted to uh, spend some time this morning in Acts chapter 16 and see some miracles that took place and the proclamation of the gospel. Acts chapter 16, verse 25, down through verse 34, reads as following. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners, they, they were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds, they were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, "'Do not harm yourself. We're all here!' The jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, "'Sirs, what must I do to be saved?' And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their wounds. He was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house Set food before them and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we spend some time, some time this morning in this passage, God, would you speak? Every single one of us in this room needs this passage to be front and center. God, what this shows us, no matter if we are a student in high school, junior high, or Father, we are at a job site 40, 50 hours a week, this passage speaks pointedly to our lives in the world that we find ourselves in. God, would you move? Father, there are a number of us in this room right now that our hearts are hardened. We need desperately to hear you this morning. Father, we are complacent. We're just okay right where we are. And God, that is not your desire for me, for us this morning. Would you speak from this word to challenge, encourage, convict To draw us close to you. You will receive all glory because it is yours. We love you and ask again that you would speak in Christ's name. Amen. I've stated this to you once before, I believe, in a sermon. But there is an ancient Chinese proverb that I was reminded of this week. Um, Albert Moeller, in his briefing on Monday, which is a podcast about uh, news and events, his tagline is news and events from a Christian worldview. He used, he reminded me of this um, proverb this week as he was telling it. There's an old Chinese proverb and it goes something like this. There was an old Chinese farmer who had a son. And it was considered very good luck. And everybody in the community, everybody in the village came to him and said, Oh, you've got good luck because you have a son. And he said, good or bad, it's hard to tell. Time went on and it was time for a harvest. And there was the boy and the boy was out in the field and everybody was there. And they came by the dad and said, Oh, your son's helping you in the field. That's Good luck, and he said, good or bad, it's hard to tell. That day, the sun broke his leg, and everybody turned and said, ah, oh, that's bad luck. He said, good or bad, it's hard to tell. Three days later, a warlord came through the area, and he took all the able-bodied males to be a part of his army, and that army was defeated and killed. And everybody came along and said, oh, it's good luck. Because your son doesn't have to go. He's got a broken leg. He said, good or bad, it's hard to tell. The man died. The son was there. It's bad luck. Your dad died. Good or bad, it is hard to tell. You know, Brian, why, why are you telling me this? What does this have to do with Acts chapter 16, a Chinese proverb? I believe it's this. Um, If nothing else, it's this. You and I jump to conclusions. We are extremely fast to jump to a conclusion. And we say, oh, immediately, if something doesn't go our way, oh, that's terrible. It is the worst thing ever. The day that you and I live in. We find ourselves in front of a screen, whether it is a computer screen or a phone screen, and we immediately, immediately share our angst with a whole world. We immediately say, This was the best thing ever. And 20 minutes later, we say, That was the worst thing ever. And it's the same exact thing. How does it fit with Acts chapter 16? You and I, if we would have been there or if it would happen today, we find ourselves in Philippi like Paul did in Acts chapter 16. Right before the passage that we read, all they do is they walk into town. And as they walk into town, they do exactly what they do everywhere else. They find a place to worship. And when they find a place to worship, in verses 11 through 15, they find these group, this group of women out by a creek side, and they are praying, and they go and they worship there. And then they're walking amongst the people day after day. And as they were going to a place of prayer, verse 16 states, they were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination, She had a demon in her, and that spirit brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And she kept doing it for many days. And this, I'm sure, made Paul annoyed. She kept doing this many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, verse 18, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. If we're thinking about the old Chinese proverb, that's good luck, bad luck. Because it's good luck, possibly. The whole thing comes to a head, so to speak, and the demon is cast out. But because of that, look there in verse 19, when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and they dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, hey, these men are Jews. They're disturbing our city. They advocate Customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods, and they had inflicted and when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison, like putting them in the hole in solitary confinement. And fastened their feet in stocks. And if we believed the old Chinese proverb, we would say that was bad luck. But was it? It's hard to tell because of the events that take place from that. The first point this morning is this cultural adjustments. Cultural adjustments for you and me, cultural movements, they are not taken lightly. If you see those verses that I just read for you, there was a cultural movement or a cultural adjustment that Paul and Silas and Luke brought into the city. It was different from what had been happening in their city. And it wasn't taken lightly. I love this passage for a number of reasons, but what you and I need to kind of side notes look at first is there in verse sixteen. As we were going, this is one of the first places, if not the first place, that we see Luke is with them. He's not doing this as a as an eye, looking for eyewitness accounts. No, he was an eyewitness. He was there with them as this was happening. There are a number of places where he's not there, and he gets an account of what goes on. But right here in this passage, he is walking with them, talking with them, eating with them, living amongst them. He is there. And as we were going to this place of prayer, all these things were happening. Their accusers say that they were disrupting the whole city. Let's be honest. They were definitely disrupting their cash cow, right? Their their cash cow had now been taken away. This demon-possessed girl who was telling fortunes, no, no longer has the demon and therefore no longer can tell the correct fortunes. No money was coming in and these owners were mad. And then they say, they advocate customs that are not lawful for our culture. That was something because Rome allowed a ton of things to go on. They tolerated a lot. This was a huge assertion and it was brought about by these owners and it brought drew a crowd and this crowd escalated the whole event they were beaten Paul and Silas were and they were thrown into prison. So let me make an argument for us this morning cultural adjustments are movements. Cultural adjustments or movements happen all the time. As a society and as a culture today, you and I find ourselves in the midst of numerous adjustments, numerous movements right now. Seasons and times change and when they do come, change happens. Drifting away from where we started as a nation, drifting away from our core values that we were founded on, is it progress? is it new? No, it happens. So hand raised, two hands raised. I'm not trying to be political this morning. I'm just picking an issue. Okay. So I'm going to pick an issue and I'm going to make an argument. And then it's an argument, an issue that I don't think hundred percent of us in the room are for or against. I would guess that The majority would be for or against this argument. There's an issue in our culture today that um, is gaining ground. And it has been gaining ground for about 20 years or so now. And that issue is the legalization of sale and recreational use of marijuana. I don't know where you stand on that. That's not the, the point of this message. But let's just state this. The THC level in today's marijuana, THC is tetrahydrocannabinol. It's the crystalline compound that is the main active ingredient in cannabis, i.e. marijuana. And the level of that in the plant today is three-plus times higher than it was in the 60s and 70s when the whole argument for legalization in America started. This past week, there was an article in the New York Times stating this, arguing this about the legalization of marijuana, that there should be a law against it for every person under the age of 25. Nobody under the age of 25 should legally be able to partake. Why 25? Because it has been shown over and over and over again that that drug, THC, does irreparable harm to an adolescent's brain. An adolescent's brain continues to form a, a Mostly that prefrontal cortex, which controls decision-making, judgment, and impulsivity, is still developing in adolescents and young adults even up to the age of 25. And these scientists, these doctors, wrote this article stating that there should never be a law that allows those under the age of 25 to partake. Now, a step back for just a second. For those of us who are over the age of twenty-five, and our prefrontal cortex lobe has already developed to its full, which means that our de- decision making is already there. Would you not think that those who can have? decisions would say, hey, if it's not good for somebody under the age of 25, whose prefrontal cortex has not lobe has not fully developed, that is probably not pretty good for us over the age of 25. That's not the case in our culture today. That's a side note. That was for free. Let's just move on. So let me get to the point. I get to the point and I use that as this the first time that it came up for a vote was in the 60s and it was defeated hands down it came back up defeated came back up defeated came back up defeated one state after another defeated it defeated it no there is no way that we can have legal legalization of this drug in 1996 it was the first time that it was brought up for a vote and it won in the state of california Almost immediately, there were multiple states that started bringing it in. And that vote in 1996, and then again in 1998, and now in 2018 and 19, it's no longer just for medical use. It is now for recreational use and sale. The reason I tell you that is this. The first time that these guys walked into Philippi, The first time that they spoke the name of Jesus in the Roman Empire, they were beaten and they were thrown in jail. And it continued to happen for 200, 315, 325 years. But immediately, not immediately, but soon, just as this argument has been forming and changing in our culture there was a shift and the winds started howling the opposite way. And in 325, there was a man by the name of Constantine who was on the Roman throne. And he went from pagan to Christian. And immediately, Christianity was no longer a persecuted religion. It was the religion in Rome. Cultural movements. Cultural actions and arguments they're happening you and i need to understand that they are happening as i am standing here as you are sti- or as you are seated here don't stick your head in the sand and think that they aren't because they are be prepared for the backlash from friends and family and culture when you and I might stand against what they preach or what they believe and stand strong no matter the outcome. A second point that we find in this passage is not just about cultural movements, but we see this. Personal contentment is free no matter the position, no matter the place. Cultural, excuse me, personal contentment is free Paul and Silas found themselves beaten. Paul and Silas found themselves in stocks. Paul and Silas found themselves in the hole, so to speak, in the inner prison. Paul and Silas, they were in a bad place. Let's just talk for a second. You think as I talk, mainly. If you're walking around in the city and you're talking and everything is going fine, what well, Don't you think that your attitude is probably okay? I mean, nothing's harming you. You're having conversations with folks. Everything is great. Your stomach is full and you are okay. Don't you think in your mind everything is okay? It would not be hard for you to have a good attitude. It would not be hard for you and me to be content. Then you get arrested. How's your attitude now? You get arrested for something that you don't even think you did wrong. How's your attitude? Not only do you get arrested, but in the midst of you being arrested, you are beating, or you are beaten with a rod multiple times over. You find yourself in the midst of a prison for something that you don't believe you should be there for. How's your attitude now? What is the level of contentment in your life now? Everything that you thought was going great has now been flipped over and everything, it seems, is going terrible. How are you in your contentment? Paul and Silas found themselves in prison and here is what happened. Once they were beaten, backs raw, once they were Imprisoned in chains once they were put in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were snoring. No, verse 25 states, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. Personal contentment is free no matter the position or place that you and I find ourselves. Contentment is not driven by your position. Contentment is not driven by the things that you have in your driveway, the things that you and I have in our houses, the place where we find ourselves. Contentment is driven by what is inside of you, what is inside of me. You and I choose in our circumstances how we are going to respond, not the other way around. Do you find yourself having a lot today? (sighs) Read an article not too long ago that there are more depressed millionaires in the United States of America than homeless. Never forget going outside the United States for the first time. Finding myself in the midst of northern Brazil for the first time and seeing those that had absolutely nothing and how happy they were. Contentment. Your personal contentment is not driven by your circumstances. If you have a lot... Or you need a lot. Do you have a change of clothes? Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have a fridge that has some food in it? Do you have a job? You and I find ourselves better than 99.8 or 9% of the whole world. Now, if we would just sit here for these 20 minutes that I have been talking and that's just where we stay. We talk about, about a, a moral revolution or a cultural revolution, or we talk about uh, contentment. Those things that we have been speaking about or speaking to over these minutes might feel a great TED Talk, or they might even help write a great social justice speech. but you and I would miss the whole point of this passage. Look with me again at this passage, and let me read for us the point. Verse 28 states this, But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, we're all here. And the jailer called for lights. He rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. If we just... Stay on the first two points and never get to point three or point four. You and I miss the whole of this passage. The third point is this gospel proclamation takes place in numerous ways and takes place at different times. Gospel proclamation takes place in numerous ways in this passage, in this episode, in this historical event. When Paul and Silas walked into Philippi, when they were beaten, when they were jailed, gospel proclamation took place numerous ways, and gospel proclamation took place at different times. They proclaimed the gospel as they walked down the street. They actually had one who was heralding who they were and what they were all about for many days. You're like, Brian, if, if that were to happen today, why in the world would you tell that person to hush their mouth? Why would you get annoyed? Why did Paul get annoyed? I mean, she was telling the truth. The enemy found out that they were telling the truth about Paul and Silas. Why? Well, you've got to understand the enemy has ulterior motives. And the reason that he allows those that, or he are under his command to state the truth, it is because he understands what the culture is going to do. And when he understands what the culture is going to do, and if they're going to take the truth and they are going to bend it or they are going to stop it, then he is going to shout it as much as he possibly can. And Paul understood that as well and says, why don't you just shut your mouth and get out of her? And he brought the argument to a head. Gospel proclamation takes place in numerous ways. They were walking down the street and they were proclaiming the gospel. They were meeting the needs of the church there at Philippi out by the creek or out by the river. The gospel is being proclaimed. Now they find themselves in stocks in the midst of the jail and the gospel is proclaimed. It's proclaimed by praying. It's pro- proclaimed by singing. It's proclaimed because Paul and Silas are praising the name Of Jesus. Question. For us. This past week. People have heard you talk. This past week people have seen your face. This past week. Scores of people. Have come in contact with you. How many people heard the gospel this week. Because you were praying. How many people heard the gospel this week because you were praising? How many people heard the gospel this week because you were proclaiming? When's the last time that someone heard the gospel because you were doing those things? I will take the time. I really don't have it, but I will take the time. Wednesday night, the Connect leaders were meeting at uh, Guadalajara and um, we were just going about our business. And there was a gentleman that was seated at a table next to us, and um, let's say it nicely, um, he was a little chemically inconvenient or in- chemically influenced because of some things that he was picking up and placing in his mouth and partaking in. And uh, he just sat there for a little while, and I saw him. I don't know if the other guys saw him, but I saw him, and he was, he was intent on what I was saying. He was intent on my conversation and our conversation. And we were talking about what was happening in August, and he didn't have a clue, even though he was tied in, because he thought he was about to uh, get in on a business venture and want to invest in that. And he pulled his chair up. Because James Hansen, that's what he called him. His name's John, but, but uh, he called him James forever, uh, Wednesday night. James said, why don't you pull your chair up? John did. And uh, so he pulled his chair up, and it was an interesting conversation to say the least. Multiple times over, he heard how Jesus loved him. Multiple times over, he didn't catch it. Multiple times over, he then kind of circled back and tried to understand, but the substance inside of him would not allow him. Multiple times this week, I've had the opportunity to talk about the gospel with individuals, individuals that I know and individuals that I have never seen before. Multiple times, you will have that same opportunity coming up this week if the Lord allows us to live seven more days. The question is not, will you as students, will we as adults have those opportunities? The opportunities are there. The question is, will you and I take those opportunities and proclaim the gospel? The gospel was proclaimed in multiple ways and at multiple times. But then, finally, let's see this point, and I will try to land the plane. Gospel acceptance. When somebody accepts the gospel, it brings about a change in that person. When they accept the gospel, there is a change. It is definitive. It is seen. It is lived out. The gospel is. And we see it right here with this jailer and it is seen in and through you and in me as well paul wrote it this way to the folks at Colossae, a different church in a similar setting colossians chapter 3 verse 5 down through verse 10 state this put to death you and and me as believers put to death therefore what is earthly in you Put to death sexual immorality, put to death impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Here's the change. Verse seven, in these, in these things, sexual immorality through covetousness, those things, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now, You and I must put them all away. We must put away anger and wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old and all of its practices, and you and I have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Change happens inside of us. Change happened in this jailer. Do you see how he was at first? At first, he he was right there with him. He beat him. He was right there with him. He took the orders. He was right there with him. He put him in stocks. He put him in the inner prison. And he left. He didn't want to be around it. But then the gospel showed up. And as the gospel showed up, change happened inside of him. And once change happened inside of him, he said, hey, why don't you come out here? Let me wash those wounds. Are you hungry? Let let me give you something to eat. That did not occur before the gospel change happened inside of him. You and I can't just take outward action and say, Hey, you've got some needs. Let me, let me take care of those needs. Let me, let me help wash you. Let me feed you. Are those needed? Yes, they are. But change happens, church, when the gospel hits a man or woman, boy or girl's heart. And when that happens, actions, fruit happens. It starts on the inside and it goes to the outside. Some of you here, some of you here. You have the actions on the outside, but there's no change on the inside. Quit playing the game. It's an eternal game that you find yourself playing. And if you continue to play the game, you lose eternally. The only name under heaven whereby we might call upon and be saved is the name Jesus. And when this jailer, and when you and I understand that, we understand the gospel and we digest it, it changes us from the inside out. So what are your actions today? What are your actions? And what's driving those actions? For many of us, For many of us in the room, I honestly believe this. I I want you to think about those first days that you were saved. I I want you to think about maybe you were a teenager and now you are a seasoned adult. Maybe you were a child and now you're a teenager. But I, I want you to think about those first days. And as you think about that, think what was going on in your heart and think what was going on in your life. There was a total change. And that's exactly what took place in Philippi and that's exactly what you and I are called back to today. Because the one who changed you then has continued to change you. The one that changed you then still lives in you and desires to be Allow you to be used for his name. So that when you come across the scores of people that you will come across this week, they can hear the gospel by your praying. They can hear the gospel by your singing. And they can hear the gospel by your praising and proclaiming his name. Heavenly Father, you have loved us deeply. Heavenly Father, You have paid a price for us. Jesus, by Your blood, we are saved. By Your blood, we are healed. By Your blood, our transgressions, our sins are covered and atoned for. By Your life rising from the dead, Jesus, we live. We live today, but we live also eternally because You, are alive. God, we come this morning as we turn our focus back to you, seeking that you and your spirit, your spirit would speak to us, in us, your word would challenge us. It's just a time for us, Father, to respond. God, may we respond right where we are, in the seat where we're sitting right at this moment. May we respond to you. May we hold fast to that response this week because the world is coming. The world does not want to hear your name without an ulterior motive behind it. The enemy is real, Father. We get that. Father, may we also know that that's our battle. Our battle is not against a man or a woman. Not against their political status or their political view. Our battle is against your enemy. Who is a defeated enemy. Thank you for defeating him, Jesus, on the cross. Thank you for defeating him and breaking those chains so that we might have life. Sir, ma'am, student today, would you just respond back to the Father? Whatever He is calling for you to do, you respond as we stand and sing. You respond back to Him. You have been listening to the latest message from Riverbend Church. We hope you enjoyed it. Live sim.